0: Please pull out your notes if you would. I want to talk today about vision, about where we're going. You know, God's done some amazing things in our church over the years. I mean, I could sit here and tell story after story of the greatness of God. I mean, I could go all the way back 20 years ago when my wife and I first moved here. I was 25 years old. We were both 25, and and we didn't know a single person in Corpus Christi when we moved here and just believed God for a church. Uh, I wrote this vision out on paper, and I distributed it to different people who I thought may support us, maybe not, I I wasn't sure and, uh, and, and I was told later about that vision that it was arrogant, that it was crazy to think that you were going to have a church that ran a 1,000 people or more in 10 years. That was just impossible in Corpus Christi, Texas. That would never happen. And boy, has God exceeded that expectation beyond my wildest dreams. And they were right. It didn't happen in 10 years. It happened in three years. And that God continued to grow and, and, and cause us to reach people and, and to use us for his glory. And I don't say that about numbers. It's about people. It's not about... Uh, just some kind of categorical number of growth. It's about the the lives that are represented in those numbers, and it's about life change. And we've seen that happen over the years for so many years now, and God's just been so good to us. And so i I honestly feel like the same twenty five year old kid who moved here. I really do, and and uh, I'm fully aware my body's not the same, but I really feel the same. I just feel like, the vision has just not changed for me. I know, you know, my wife tells me I get stuck on things. She's like, you really get stuck on the same meals? I go to the same restaurant, had the same meal. And I'm like, I know, but it's all good because I'm stuck on you. So it's all good, right? I mean, so that's a good thing. You know, she's like, well, that, yeah, I'm very happy about that. I was like, okay, good. So, you know, I'm very habitual in nature. And I just have this just habit I can't kick of wanting more people to get saved. I just can't kick that habit. I just can't get over that one. I just can't get around that one. I just can't stop. And I just believe that God doesn't want us to stop. I believe he's not done. I believe this is just the beginning of what he wants to do. And so pull out your notes if you would. I'm excited about today. God just gave me this surge of a spirit. And I began to write a fresh word for tonight. And then uh, this was confirmed even more that God was doing something when a text started going around our church that was not led by our leadership. We were the last to know that some people in some different life groups just decided to meet up here Uh, in the prayer garden and just walk around the building three times and pray and ask God to bring his glory tonight. And I thought, wow, God, you are doing something bigger than all of us because I didn't plan that. None of our leadership, we're just not that spiritual or smart. Sorry, you guys topped us. (laughs) And I love it. I was like, yes, I just sense God is doing something. And God began to give me a word not just for tonight, but also for this weekend. And it's totally different than I was planning on doing. And I'm just so excited about it. I can hardly stand it. I'm probably going to drive my car right onto the stage and just get out and start preaching. I'm just excited (laughs) Don't miss this weekend. I'm really fired up about it. I believe that this weekend is going to change our church. I really believe that. And so it's not just all things new offering weekend. No, 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 no. God has something to give you this weekend. And so I want to encourage you to be here and don't miss that. But pull out your notes. I want to give you some things to write down. First of all, let's hear a mission statement together. It's it's more needed than ever for us to remember what we are all about. We are here to do what? We are here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. I can't control how many people are taken to heaven and hear the gospel and hear about Jesus after I die. I can only control my life. The power of the Spirit gives you the Spirit Gives you self-control, one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's not other control. I can't control my kids. I've tried. Have you tried that yet? It doesn't work, right? Especially when they're teenagers, right? They revert back to being two years old when they just say no all the time, right? And so you can't control them. I can't control my wife. She can't control me. I can't control my friends. They can't control me. I can only control me. So the only thing I can say is, God, just in my lifetime, I want you just to use me up for the kingdom of God to win as many possible people to Christ as possible before I die. That's all I can ask. And I pray you join me in that. That's our heart. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to be all about. I want to shift your thinking a bit tonight. Because I want to tell you something that God really spoke to me. Golly. God, I got to get the first point out first, God. Is that he is shifting me to realize I think I understand it and I don't. The kingdom is so much more vast than we realize. The plans of God are so much more thick and present than we even realize. He has something so big he wants to do in you that you don't understand. You don't grasp the greatness of God that's wanting to be released in your life, and I believe that's what tonight is about and this weekend's about. I don't want you to miss. Please do not, do not miss this. If you're taking notes, I want to give you a couple things right now. The first thing God really shared with me today was this: number one, live with reckless abandon for God. There was a season when we moved, my wife and I, and, and we loaded everything up in the small U-Haul because that's all it took. And we loaded up and, and we, we drove our cars down to Corpus Christi, Texas. I'd never. I've only been here once to visit before when we just signed on the dotted line and said this is where our life is supposed to happen, our life work is, is going to be, and we're, we're, we're committing our lives to this city. We didn't know anyone here. We didn't know what we are getting into. I think God did that by design because I probably would have canceled it if I would have thought I'd know any clue. You know, if you figured it out, well, God leads you and kind of dupes you. He's like, I'm going to lead you, but I'm not going to tell you everything because then you'd, you'd, you'd cowered out, right? And so I had no idea all the great things and the difficult things that would all happen, but I'm so glad I signed up for it, and I don't regret it at all. But when God brought me here, I didn't know the pain I was going to deal with. I didn't know the difficulties. I had no idea that there was this thing called fundraising that was necessary for churches. I didn't know there was all this leadership and management stuff I was supposed to know. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know I was going to need a degree in real estate. I had no idea that I was going to to figure out how to do organizational communication with all these different campuses. I didn't didn't sign up for any of that. I just signed up saying God used my life. And what I've learned is if I can decomplicate my life and just get back to that, God uses me again. But we let the red tape of our lives get in the way. We let the offenses of other people get in the way. We let life happen rather than making a decision to make it happen with what God's told you to do. So tonight is is really about that. It'll it'll make sense by the end, I hope. But we're supposed to live with reckless, reckless abandon. Acts 15, 26 is speaking about Paul and Barnabas. It says, These men... I just think it, it just says this, like just throws this line in, and I love it, I want to park on it. It says, these men who have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Risk their lives? I mean, I thought it was really risky when I risked my livelihood when I just came with not really any money. And I had secured a salary through a denominational support that, that helped us out. Because I come from a, a denominational background that's really into evangelism, which is a great thing. And so I, I secured some support that could help me out. And so I had a, a small salary, and I'll just tell you right now, it was $30,000 a year, and I was thankful for it. And I remember out of that, giving as much as we could. We had saved some money in seminary somehow. I don't know how, because we didn't make a lot of money, but, but we'd saved up the m- money, and, and I was tithing at the little church I was going to and preaching at, and I was also do- doing a double tithe and, and, and doing a second tithe on the church I was believing God for in the future. And so, and we were doing that on I don't know, I think my wife may have been making 30 at the time as a teacher. And so we just saved everything we could, and uh, we began to believe God for something big. Told my best friend about it, and unbeknownst to me, one day a check comes to me, and I was like, hey, what's this about? And he's like, we're going to start tithing to the church that doesn't exist yet. I was like, are you kidding me? And so Jay's been a supportive friend of mine for years. I'm so grateful for him. We wouldn't, anyways. I miss the risk. I miss not being scared anymore. I miss a small budget with no people and no buildings. Because what I did have, since I didn't have any of that, was I had raw faith that was scared but still willing. And the problem with big churches and big budgets is that we get comfortable. And we build our budget on what we thought we brought in last year so we think we can bring it again this year when God did not design us to just keep up with what we did last year. That's not advancing the kingdom as if he wants to do. It, 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 as he does want to do. It, it's, that's just playing it safe. We're not supposed to play it safe. We're supposed to risk it all. I like watching football games, but the certain teams I watch are the teams that, on any given weekend, will win 53 to 52 or lose 60 to 3. Because they're gunslingers. They just chunk the ball every play. Down the field and hope it works out. That sounds a lot like our church. And I think we should get back to that. And I know, well, Pastor, you may lose big. Yeah, but we may win big. We may win big. And I believe we will. God wants us to learn to risk it again. Live with reckless abandon for God. I'll never forget the times for the first couple of years that I would you know, call up the staff. It was easy to call them. There's like two of them. And I would say, hey, uh, we need to hold off on paychecks another week. And you know why we were doing that? It's not because we didn't have the money. It's because we used the money already on evangelism to get people to show up at church. And so we would spend, and we would spend this enormous amount of money on direct mail. Some of you guys are there a long time. Members you remember those days getting those cards in the mail, and you have no idea the expense of that unless you are in that, in that industry. It's incredibly expensive, but yet we just thought, why not? Because it, what's the price of a soul? So we would have three or $4,000 in the bank account of the church, and we would drain it to $100. I kid you not, this is insane. Any CPA would say, you're crazy. And it was like, yes, well, that's confirmed, we are. I don't care, do it, because I'm giving my life to this, and it's going to work, and we just risked it. And then a week later, money would come in and we'd get to feed our families. And that's how we did it. And we continued to do that. And we grew and we grew and we reached people and we just made the priority people. I just think that's what Jesus is here for. I think he was all about people. I'm pretty sure that's why he came. And so we just believe that, that for God so loved the world. So we should love the world and do whatever it takes to get them in here to hear about Jesus. Live with reckless abandon second thing I want to tell you is this, number two, waste no opportunity to do God's work. Waste no opportunity. If you did not wake up today and say, God, what would you have me do today? Then you wasted this day. See, it's a different way of thinking, isn't it? Like, what? But, but I, I, I'm busy. i got stuff to do. Right. But if Jesus comes back next week, are you going to regret what you didn't do today? I believe you we will. We, we waste time. We waste energy. We waste Money, we waste our lives on things that just really don't matter. If creature comforts really made us happy, then why are we the richest nation in the world and yet the most depressed? If it was really going to satisfy our souls, then don't you think the last new car would have done it? The last new outfit? I mean, do we really call it a need to, I got to go 85 inches on the TV I just can't see it. It's just insane what we make our priorities. And there's nothing wrong with materialism and having things. That's fine as long as the things don't have you. But there needs to be a sense of urgency. Waste of opportunity. Ephesians 5 says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Have you figured that out yet? Turn on the news lately? The days are evil. It's unbelievable how evil the days are. Have you noticed that? We can't even have state funerals anymore without turning into a a cut-down session for the other party. Pick the party you want, I don't care. It's not the point. The days are evil. Everybody wants to blame everybody else for why they're unhappy, why the world's not better. But yet we sit on the truth. We sit on it. We sit on the truth. Rather than activate our faith with it to do something. It says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I can tell you one thing. It says here, be very careful how you live, I was unwise as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Then it says, know God's will. So apparently part of God's will is urgency. Part of God's will is, is, is instead of putting off living for Jesus, do it today. Instead of putting off your prayer time, pray today. Instead of putting off becoming generous, start to becoming generous today. Instead of putting off serving in church, say, I'm gonna serve in the church today. But we put off all that God wants us to do. It says in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. What? Someone laid down his life for his friends? I mean, we can't even lay down our cell phone for 10 minutes. And he's telling us in Scripture that we're supposed to lay down our life for other people. Wow. That's pretty bold, isn't it? God wants us to live differently. Waste no opportunity because the days are evil. We just don't know how long we have. And because of that, it makes me think differently about church, about preaching, about reaching out to people, about making a difference, about my neighbors. It just makes me think differently. Do we even know our neighbors? Do we? Do we even know what's going on in the person's cubicle next to us? Because I bet if you did a little digging, you'd find someone hurting. You know why? Because we're hurting half the time too. People need Jesus, and they need him now. And there's going to be a day that it's too late to deliver that to them, and so we better have a sense of urgency about us, or we'll miss the opportunity. Sure, we're trying to build a couple buildings, but we're not trying to build buildings. We're trying to to fill heaven. We're trying to help with more people to Christ, and if a building's necessary, so be it. And from what we've found in our culture, somehow that matters. I wish it didn't. I would love to have church in every high school in the country. But for some reason, people will say to me, and literally, I just had this said to me the other day. I was out in San Antonio, and someone said to me, are you guys at that church that's building a building on 281? Yeah, and they go, well, as soon as you get that built, we're going to go. I'm like, could you come now? That'd be really helpful. But for some reason, as soon as you get that, then out come. And so I can complain about that all day long, but I'm trying to recognize that if I'm the convinced and they're the unconvinced and that's what's necessary to get them convinced and I need to cross the bridge instead of asking them to cross the bridge. So if that's what it takes and that's what it takes, then we'll do it. Buildings are never the end game. Buildings are the bridge to the end game, which is Jesus. Don't confuse that. Don't get the order wrong. We have to have a place to dispense hope. And so we're building hope dispensers everywhere we can, as fast as we can, with the resources that God has given us. And I'm asking you to join me in that. I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to make a difference. I'm asking you to see your part. Even in the midst of your tragedies and difficulties and pain and struggles, which we all have, some worse than others, we can still choose to get our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on God and his work. Check out this video. So guys, it's great to be sitting here with you. Uh, you have such a powerful story to tell, and uh, we, we really just want to hear from you about what God has done in your life in the last few years, and
1: how'd you end up at Church Unlimited? I came across y'all at uh, Moose Lodge uh, when it was Bay Area Fellowship. Back in the day, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir, yes it was. And then when we came to San Antonio, we're like, we can't find a church like it. And Happen happened, Core Group came along, and uh, we're like, yes, yes. Went to core group at the hotel, got baptized by you, and that's where really things, really got into the church family and everything and is very welcoming. So tell me about Caden and, uh, and what happened to Caden.
2: It was December 14th, 2016. I got him up and we took him to daycare. About four o'clock or so, we got a a call that he had had a seizure at daycare. So it took some time between his seizure to when the ambulance came. During that time, he didn't have adequate oxygen. We stayed by his side for for six days, but um, that sixth day, they told us, you know, because of the lack of oxygen, that his brain had completely swollen and he had lost all blood flow uh, to the brain.
0: So at this point, I, I cannot even imagine how you guys must have felt. Tell me what's going through your mind at this time.
2: When we knew he had passed, I was, I was laying in the bed with him, um, and he was still on life support, um, but he was uh, brain dead. I just remember God telling me that now is, we need to look at uh, organ donation. That he wasn't gonna make it, but we were gonna uh, save some lives with, with his organs. One thing that has helped us not close our fist to God is from the very beginning, we never asked why, because I think until I'm in heaven with Caden, I'm not gonna know why why this happened to us or him. And I don't think my mind could even comprehend. So we always asked, what? What do you want us to do next? What do you want us to learn?
0: I found it to be awesome that when I heard of what was going on, of course, you know, we reached out, but I was like way back in the line of all the Church Unlimited people who were ministering to you guys, surrounding you.
2: Pastor Garrett uh, was just amazing. That um, we called him as soon as we got to the hospital, might have been before we got to the hospital, and he was there. And he was there um, right by our side the whole time.
1: You gotta understand this is five days before Christmas. He passed on the 20th. People are coming over to our house knowing they've got a lot to do. They've got a lot of stuff for their families to take care of, and they're coming over. and There's no rush. There, the people are just we're here for you, genuine, and it was just amazing. And, and just to know that they're here to love us, and you just felt it. You really felt it, and it helped in those times. And the you know the mill train and, and um, the go everything that they did that the church did was just it was just so genuine, so awesome.
2: It was such a hard time, but. Uh, I remember her sitting out in the hammock. We were outside and, and I was looking at the trees and we had the worship team was outside playing the guitars and singing. It was just a moment of, you know what, Kaden, this is, this is what you're experiencing, just worship.
1: So tell us how God has worked in your lives through giving. In the tragedy, we were in an opportunity, I guess you could say, to get to receive a a settlement because of what had happened. All through this process, we're praying. We're praying and and to say, and one of our our prayers was, we just wanna come out out of this to help others, whatever that may be. And we prayed and said, we will give whatever that amount is. When I went to go get the check, the girl at the teller goes, you feel led to give that kind of money? Absolutely, why not? It's a lot of money. I said, well, it's not my money. Doesn't matter. And I said, it's, it's, and I kind of gave her a little background and I said, it was never a thought. She said, that's just amazing.
0: So, you know, the scripture that we really build our entire uh, giving emphasis around is that uh, Jesus said, I will make all things new. Tell
1: us about the new life in your family. Yes, he's amazing. Caleb Dunn was born a perfect baby. <laughs> he's just perfect, and I say that because he has the scores to prove it. And he's just, just amazing, you know? It's just, you can see that God really blessed us with that that child. He brings joy um, in this new season.
2: I think he signifies so much, not just our lives, but family and friends, and even in our church, you know, being able to go through that journey with us. Now, uh, go through this, he's just a source of
3: hope
0: this whole thing was about a six-day period of time, and I just thought, man, that's perfect, because I'm not thinking about the six days. I'm thinking on the
1: seventh day, Caden woke up in heaven. How Absolutely. amazing is that? That is awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. And so just the perfection of that, that on the
0: seventh day, he arrived. Guys, it's so powerful. I mean it. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for your faithfulness to God and uh, and your faithfulness to his church. It means the world to us. And I don't just mean Church in I mean we're a part of a larger church that God is using to change the world.
1: Thank you for having Thank us. Thank
0: you. We're amazing people. They just made a decision to say, we can live hurt, roll our fist up towards God in anger, or instead open our fist to God and say, God, we don't understand. But instead of saying, why, what, God, do you want from us? If we could just have that kind of maturity, say, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from my life? What can I do to make an impact? How can I make a difference? Well, as you guys know, we have some pretty specific goals as a church. And uh, I'm kind of a broken record on goals. I believe that you should have a target to move towards. And so we know what God's led us to do. We know where we're going, and we want to spell it out for you tonight. So this is what we're doing. This, these are our, our goals. And so we we'll want to put those up for you real quick. And so we want to rebuild the Rockport-Fulton campus bring Hope back there. We're very excited about that. We've been ministering there out of a parking lot and out of a tent, and it's time for us to have a building and so that we can be permanent once again and impact people's lives. Very, very excited about that. Keep in mind, that's not building a building, that's rebuilding a building. Just imagine going to church one weekend, and then the next one you come, and and it's destroyed, because that happened to our church. People pulled up, and there was no place to go worship, and so we want to give them a, a campus once again. We also... Want to build a San Antonio location. It will look a lot like the Rodfield campus. It'll be very similar. And uh, we're very excited about that. We already are underway with that as well. We would would be underway with Rockport if it wasn't for the city taking a little longer. But I think they have some pretty excuses for why, because they're trying to get their stuff together as well. After you lose 40% of your businesses in one weekend, then you can imagine how they're trying to rebuild lives and rebuild their whole economy as well. We also want to remodel and upgrade our broadcast location a bit. This campus here is, is 10 years old now. It's hard to believe that. But it needs a little upgrading, as well as some campus technology upgrades. We want to keep that, the, uh, the message looking as clear as possible, since that video matters so much, and we want to make sure that that looks great. So those are just the things that we are, are trying to do. I'm going to go show you a couple of pics real quick. This is the San Antonio building that we're, we're building. We've made it look a little, a little different, a little better actually. I like it with the tower kind of protrudes above the wave, which is kind of neat. That's going to be right on the highway off 281. It's a beautiful location. And uh, they're already underway with that. That's actually being built right now. Very, very excited about that. And then with Rockport, we had a design and it got shot down by the historic district. So we tried to improve it. Somehow I made it worse. I don't know how I pulled that off, but I did. And my wife said, honey, you got to improve the look of this building. And so about the, the third rendition, she said, can I get involved? I was like, absolutely. So, and normally when she gets involved, things get a lot nicer. And so, This is what Jessica designed. And so check out this building. This is what Rockport will have. It's gonna actually feel very coastal. Very excited about the way it it turned out. And so it's just gonna be gorgeous. Isn't that gonna be great? It'll also be it'll also be Church Unlimited's first wedding chapel. And so we're excited about that too. So people can get married there. It's really gonna be pretty and nice white interior with big windows on both sides of the auditorium. It's gonna be a really nice setup and People are probably going to want to get married there. So we're excited about that. Rockport's a nice destination, resort destination, fishing, obviously, but also just uh, coastal. So we're excited about building that as well. So those are our goals. That's what we're shooting for. It says in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. is that interesting that Jesus said that? God, can you get me out of this one? This is right before he was going to go to the cross. He said, take this cup away from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? And, of course, we knew that the answer was that God wanted him to to not skip, to take the cup, to take the full weight, the full price of the cross. And so Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. Now, it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, you can never please God without faith, without depending on him. So if you want to know, Pastor, how are you deciding what you are Giving to this project, I mean, we know that their salvation is on the line here because when we move into these new facilities, just like here and other campuses, when we moved in, immediately hundreds, if not thousands, of people came to Christ because there was a location to come check out. They came to check out. Oh, well, I'm going to check out that new church, that new building, and then they they end up receiving Christ. And so we know that happens. And so if you're like me, you're like, Lord, I, I need you to show me what you want me to give. But I want to warn you: if you're going to seek God. The question isn't, God, what should I give? The question is, whatever you think you're supposed to give, does it require faith? Because if the number makes sense in your mind, it doesn't require faith. If the number looks easy, that doesn't require faith. If what God leads you to do doesn't feel like much of a sacrifice, well, I just got it, I can just give it, no problem. Then where's the faith in that? So I believe God will stretch you. And before you say, Pastor, I I mean, I've already given in the past, and now you're asking me to give again, and I mean, you you want me to stretch, and this is difficult, and it's hard to give a lot, you know, and I've got bills, and I understand I have bills too. But I want to challenge you to say that at the foot of a bloodstained cross. The reality is that Jesus didn't just stretch. He stretched out and hung on a cross. So I believe that we are called to stretch. And so number three is to stretch yourself for the kingdom. I'm just going to tell you what I'm doing. I, I don't ask you to match or or anything. I'm just I just feel like as a leader, the Bible's pretty clear that leaders are supposed to lead. So I, I guess I'm supposed to lead out and tell you how I came up with what Jessica and I and our family is giving. So first of all, a little backstory: we have two kids full time in college right now in a private school. Um, in case you're wondering, that's not cheap. And so we've got uh, a lot of bills with that. So that's just be dead on. you, it's kind of wrecked my savings plan um, a bit the last couple years. And uh, this is the first time we've had two full time at the same time. We, we had one before, but now we've got two. So that set us back a bit, but then I don't share this very often because some people think that when I say things like this, that somehow we're just rolling in the dough when we're not. But we, we have a couple of apartment complexes, which sounds really rich. But honestly, we've actually had to feed them money the last couple of years because where they're located is near an oil town and oil has been down. So we've actually not made anything on them for several years to make matters worse about two months ago. And I knew we were going into this giving campaign. One of the apartments caught fire. And so we lost four units that I'm still waiting on insurance to help out. So we're now having to fix these on our dime. Um, Praise God. We just got a small installment of money from the insurance company to get us started. But, uh, that's, that's the situation I find myself in. I'm sure you find yourself in some crazy situation you didn't expect either. And so in, in light of that, I said, God, um, this is going to be a tougher year for us to give, Lord, than most years. So could you show me what to do? And so I was doing a little consulting for an organization, and, and uh, they would pay me monthly. And I just decided to try something I would never tried. And I sent them a smaller bill and said, could, if you could pay this annually at once instead of monthly That'd be great and they will charge you a little less. And I was surprised that they bit and did it. So when I got that check, I knew at that moment I better give this to God because otherwise, if you're like me, when I put it into my account, it tends to dissipate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I was like, okay, God. So I turned the check over for $11,000, signed it, and walked to have my secretary take it over to the finance department just to give the whole thing. Didn't even didn't hit my account, just straight in to the church. So I thought, okay. I gave. Thank you, God. I was glad to be able to give it. That's great. And then I'm going to work that off the next (laughs) 12 months, uh, you know, for all that that I just gave to God. But then God stirred in me again. So I add a little to it and bumped it up to $12,000, gave another $1,000, thinking I was being Mr. Spiritual. And then today God tells me, no, I want more. So my wife and I have committed to giving $20,000 to this and pain above and beyond our tide we 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 give beyond the tide already and so for us in our current situation that's a challenge it may not be for you praise god if it's not i think that's wonderful if you think oh that's a small amount great i'm glad you're blessed like that 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 seems like a small amount it does not feel small to us but we're glad to do it and god's shown us how to do it so we're excited to be able to do it so i will tell you one thing about my god if you ask him what to do he's going to stretch you that's just how he operates but it's not because he's trying to get something from you. He's trying, he's trying to get something to you. So I can boldly declare before the Lord, Lord, I just need you to bless everything I got now because I've sacrificed for you, Lord. And if you want me to do it again, I will. My, my yes is still on the table if you want more. That's fine. Just show me how and we'll do it. But I believe God will show you what you are to give as well. Whatever the Lord leads you, we just ask you to do that. Last thing that I wanted to tell you... Um, I want, to, I want to reverse this a little bit. I have kind of an order here, so I just want to warn my video department. I want to show the next video actually before I talk about this last, this last point. Um, you know, we love making an impact in all the cities that we have. Campuses, we're glad to do it. But sometimes we forget the stories behind the numbers. And so here's just one more of those. Please check out this video.
4: life before church unlimited was kind of lost um not really a really strong marriage our kids kind of were just doing whatever they wanted church has done a lot for us for our marriage for our children just for the whole family all together
5: the thing that we love the most is our kids see the change in our marriage it gives them hope you know and they see the change in us because we used to Argue and fight and do a lot of things that that was basically not godly. And when we found the church and actually have a walk with the Lord, it's impacted our life.
4: We decided to leave at the last minute because we were going to just kind of, I guess, hunker down and stay and kind of ride it out. Uh, We decided, whenever it turned into a category, category four, let's go ahead and leave. We can't stay here. So we left. As we were sitting there throughout the night, we just, we were praying, praying because it was going to be horrific and we knew it. We saw buildings coming down and and schools, just all the things that we've known home. When we came back, it was a Sunday morning. Um, the first thing that we did, we went and Made a route to our home. Had to move brush out of the road, get through water, power lines. We drove into town and it was indescribable. We we didn't recognize home. And then after we made sure that our our home was standing, but whenever we got to the church, it was kind of like, yeah,
3: wow,
5: that was wow, a, that that was was a huge... hole in the roof. Yeah, they tore out the roof. That was. Yeah, it was
4: a huge impact. It was. We had our kids with us and we were all just in shock. To see our church down, it felt like just a hole in, you know, in my heart. I know so many lives that were completely impacted by our church. I knew that because our church was down, you know, we were going to be, I mean, we were still going to be there, but that family, that community wasn't going to be how it had been. I just knew that people were going to be lost.
5: That's the the biggest thing. I was afraid that, you know where are all these people going to go, and where are going to go to church, and, you know, how are going to be together, because everybody's going to be worried about everything else, you know. Church might be the last thing on their mind, and little did we know that that's probably the biggest thing that we all need is the faith and the, you know, the family to help each other.
4: After about a week, our church brought in the tents. It was amazing to see how everybody just kind of flooded back, and everybody was lost. Everybody was kind of lost in their own little spaces, and there were people in our in our church that lost everything. They had the clothes on their back. Just to see everybody come back together whenever we put up those tents to have service, that first service was, wow. You felt Jesus moving in that tent. It was amazing. The, whenever the building was revealed, the, um, the look on everybody's face, you could see hope. You just see, saw everybody's faces kind of light up, really excited, um, excited and, and just so ready to have our church building there again, but just to have everybody with the children and the youth, everybody in one place, you know, all together at the same time, just that made a huge
5: impact. So all the stuff that our church has been able to do in the in the town now to have an amazing building to go along with it and, you know, be down in that heritage downtown area, it's going to be amazing to, you know, bring new people in because a lot of people are just going to come and be curious on, wow, this is a nice building, a nice church, and come and see, and then from there, we'll let Pastor Bill and Jesus do his magic, you know?
0: You know, the, the scripture's pretty clear about our calling. It, it really hasn't changed in 20, 21 years now. and. And it it, it says in Matthew 28, it says in verse 19, all authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. Jesus said this after he went to the cross. And he said, therefore, so in other words, like the reason I conquered death is for this reason. And he says, therefore, and if there's a therefore, you always have to ask, what's the therefore, right? It's because the power and the authority that we've been given is for a purpose. And here's the purpose. He says, now go and make disciples of all nations. You may be thinking, but I'm supposed to be a disciple, so if I'm a disciple, then how can I go make disciples, right? Like, is there a separation between those who make disciples and those who are disciples? Is there something different? Actually, there is. There's a word we don't use much in church anymore, and I think we should shift gears to it, because honestly, the word discipleship has become cheap to me. The word discipleship is now synonymous with reading books and going to Bible studies, and I actually write books, too, and, and I'm all for you buying the book. Great. I'm all for you going to Bible studies. Awesome. Glad you come to church and hear a sermon. And all those things are discipleship. Going to life groups. That's discipleship. Those are all great things. But honestly, in our culture, we've cheapened it. And we now think that discipleship means I get fed, I get more. It's about me, 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 rather than others. So I really think that that's not the word I want to use anymore. I think we should shift gears. I don't want you to give like you're a disciple. Because that's too easy. I want you to give like you're a missionary because we're actually called to missions. The mission, the, the thing that makes people go around the world and, and give up all their worldly wealth and leave this country and go to China or Zimbabwe to Africa, to Nigeria, that makes them go you know, to do the underground church in, in China, that, that makes them go to Honduras, that makes them go to Haiti. What makes a, someone do that is that they want to go make disciples and you have to give up a lot to do it. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law Jessica's sister. Amazing people. He's a doctor. Very talented guy. Trained under a guy named DeBakey. Maybe you've heard of him. Guy works on presidents when they need heart valve and other heart issues. He's one of the best surgeons in the world. He's personally trained under him. So that alone on your resume will take you pretty far. I just asked him one day, I said, hey, so what would you make if you would have just stayed in Houston after you graduated from UTMB and if you just became a A surgeon, he said, well, if I would have specialized, then, you know, a million, million and a half a year. So he would have to work 20 years as a missionary to make what he'd make in one year. He gave all that up. He walked away from it. They live in a house in Honduras in the middle of the jungle. Their house doesn't have air conditioning. So he gave up. 90% 90% of his income potential to live on 10% with no air conditioning. All the creature comforts they don't have. The, same, the, how, the car that they've been able to hold on to that his father tries to get, keep, keep up with to keep it working is what he had in school rather than what you and I get to trade in and drive new every couple years. That's what he does. See, you just think a little different when you're a missionary. You don't think about what you can gain. You think about what you can give. You don't think about what you can keep. You think about what you can release. Missionaries just think different. They don't think like normal people. They don't give like normal people. When they give, they, 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 don't, they don't sacrifice. They live in sacrifice. It's a different mentality to be on mission. It's funny. They, there, there's a term for what a guy like me did 20 years ago when I moved here to start a church I was actually supported through something called the Home Mission Board. I was considered a home missionary, which means that I didn't cross the ocean to be a missionary. I just went to a different city to be a local missionary. And To be honest with you, I really want to just walk away from the term senior pastor. It just sounds too official and clean. I really would like to be referred to as the head missionary. And I really like to do that because I would like to lead other missionaries to join me in the cause of Christ and to get over ourselves and recognize that if we give as disciples, it'll be cheap and it'll be easy, but if we give as missionaries, it's just gonna hurt, it's gonna sacrifice, it's gonna be a lot, and it's gonna change our lives and we're not gonna be able to recognize that Jesus died on the cross and we just get to watch that. No, we have to experience the suffering if you're a missionary. Man, Pastor, you're bringing it hard. Yeah, I am. Because people are still going to hell. See, a missionary goes somewhere and they bring food to the hungry. And, and they bring water to the thirsty. And they bring hope to the healed. The, 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 they bring hope to the broken. They bring healing to the hurting. They bring Jesus to everyone. And it costs them greatly. And we've got to get back to being that church. Because I started off as a home missionary. And I'd like to return to that again and still be a missionary in my own city, in our own state, in our own country to recognize that one of the largest unchurched people groups in the world today is in the United States of America. Over 50% of those who live in Texas that we think is a religious state, over 50% claim that they do not believe that there is a God. 80% on any given Sunday are not in church. There's 452,000 people in the metro statistical area of Corpus alone. 80% of them are not active or are not even believers. In San Antonio alone, there's like 2.5 to 3 million people well over half of them, if not 80%, don't know Jesus either. Guys, you don't have to cross an ocean to be a missionary. You can do it right here. God's called us to the mission field, to do the work of God. That's what God wants from you and me, but we have to get our eyes off of ourself and put our eyes back on the Lord. One time I asked Rick Warren, I had a real privilege to to have lunch with him one time, and I don't mean to name drop it, it's just, you know, he's, a, he's an incredible man of God, and, and he's, you know, earned millions upon millions of dollars, because his book sold 36 million copies in one year, so I think he can do pretty good on that, so he's earned several hundred million dollars, and he lives on 10% of it, and gives 90% away, so I said, Rick, um, when you came into a windfall of money, what'd you do with it, and he said, well, first of all, I gave most of it away, And I said, well, what does money mean to you then? Because it doesn't seem like it means a lot. And he goes, no, money means a lot to me. Money's a big deal. And I was like, oh, because you make it sound like it's not a very big deal. It's such a big deal, I don't hold it. He said this to me. He said, money is is best used to do two things. Make an impact for the kingdom and improve your relationships. It's brilliant. Don't miss the brilliance of this. He basically said, if you get a raise and you just buy a new car with it, in a couple of months, it's just going to be another car to you. It's not going to improve anything. If You get a raise and take a portion of that and give it to the Lord, and in the other portion you may go vacation with your family, build a memory with them. Then that improved your relationships, and it also blessed the kingdom of God. I thought that was brilliant. Because we get caught up in our doodads. We get caught up in our things. We get caught up in our possessions, and they begin to possess us. When the truth is, we need to hold everything loosely and recognize that we're not disciples, we're missionaries. Missionaries think differently. And I'm going to ask you right now to stand with me and to begin to think differently, to begin to shift your mind to the kingdom, to begin to realize that we are not supposed to be about this world, but yet we let this world consume us. And we get offended when preachers talk about money. So I don't want you to be offended anymore. I'm not a preacher anymore. I'm now a missionary. I bet you don't get offended when missionaries ask. We think, oh, well, that's that's where we should be given it. It's the missions. What do you think this is? This is missions. So rather than being offended by the preacher, be challenged by the missionary. People need the Lord, and we are on mission. When I go to these cities and walk around, the same thought goes to my mind when I see people in a pizza hut in Walmart at a mall, pumping gas. I think, do they know Jesus? Has anyone told them about our Savior? What do we need to do to win them to Christ? Because people are hurting. They need the Lord. Would you join me in that? Would you not give like a disciple? That's too cheap. Would you give like a missionary? Would you join me in the mission to change the world? Because I can't get rid of this burden. I can't shake it. God won't let me off the hook. He won't. I just thought, God, the church is really big. Can I just improve my golf game? You won't let me off the hook. Stay on mission. It's still about lost people. 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 people. Don't lose your burden for lost people. (laughs) Missionaries, give it all. Would you give generously? Would you give beyond your wildest dreams? Will you give unreasonably? Would you give something that your friends and family say you're crazy? Yeah, it is crazy to move to Honduras and live without air conditioning. It is crazy. That is crazy. Will you live crazy? Will you live in a way that people will say, that's just dumb? Why would you wreck your fine? Why would you do that? But then if Jesus were to come back in the next month, who looks crazy now? Who looks smart and who looks stupid now? Because when the kingdom comes, it's done. The one thing you can't do in heaven is witness. That's over. So I think we should emphasize that now while we still have time. Let's put, as a church, our money where our mouth is. Let's do the work of God. Let's pray and ask God to lead us, to guide us. God, I thank you for this night. I thank you for this time of vision God, make us uncomfortable, inconvenience us, stretch us, cause us to sacrifice, make us your missionaries for your work to be done. Stretch us. Jesus, scare me again. Call me to do something bigger than I can do. So I have to depend upon you. Lead us and guide us. We will be your missionaries. We will be your representatives in a foreign country God, we may be in this country, but we're not from this country. We're here, but we're not of here. We're just in here. We're of another kingdom. May we be about that other kingdom while we're here. Stir in us. Cause us to grow. Cause us to true discipleship, which is to be on mission. Get us past ourselves. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. We're going to sing. As we do that, I want to invite you to come forward and pray and to put yourself before God and to honor him. And so right now, just come forward. This is look guys, we're this isn't a church service. This is, this is the living room, okay? Get over yourself. I don't care what your friends think around you. Throw yourself before the God right now and ask Him, God, what do you want from me? Because He wants something more from you and He wants something more from me. And it's not just about money. It's not just about giving. It's about our hearts. It's about our lives. It's about changing our position saying, God, I didn't realize this wasn't about my career. This is about being a part of the mission field that you called me to in car sales. I didn't realize this wasn't about me being smarter and having all these degrees. I'm called in the mission field of the campus of the university I go to. I didn't realize this wasn't just about raising children. I'm actually trying to raise modern-day missionaries that will change the next generation for Christ. God, I didn't realize this wasn't just about me being married. This is about us joining forces to do kingdom work. God, I didn't realize this wasn't just about me being in politics. This is about me bringing the kingdom of God into this kingdom that we live in. God, I didn't realize that this wasn't just about my creature comforts. This is about me pouring out for you. I didn't realize, God, I had no idea. I didn't get it. I thought I got it. I thought we were supposed to be disciples. We're not. It's too cheap. It's too easy. He wants missionaries. Don't cheapen your faith. That's too easy. Anybody can read a book and go to a Bible study. You pour it out for God. That's what he wants. Oh God, I know what you want. You want all of us to give everything for your kingdom's sake. To hold everything loosely, God. And so Lord, I just think that you want to do something special. God, some of us are scared to death because you're telling us to do something. We thought we had a number and you just added a zero to it. You just moved the decimal. And it makes no sense in our kingdom. It makes sense in yours. Some of us thought we were done with our businesses, but now you're telling me to expand, God, because I can do more for the kingdom if I inconvenience myself and open another location. Some of us thought we were done because we own a house, but you say in your word to have houses. For the kingdom. Some of us thought we were done because we finally got that man of our dreams, our woman of our dreams, and you're telling us now that we're supposed to get our hands dirty and do your work. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving me alone today. Thank you, God, for interrupting me and wrecking me with the vision of lives changing rapidly. Thank you, God, that the kingdom of God is supposed to advance by force. Make us your missionaries. Thank you for your goodness. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I just ask you to do business with God as we sing one song. Band, would you please step up and sing and we're just gonna honor God today. Please do business. Just say, God, what do you want from me, God? What do you want? I am yours. I surrender all I have, all I am to you.
6: Crashing into you You're waking up my hope You are my breakthrough Take me from where I've been Into something new I'm giving up control I need a breakthrough All of my dreams and fears Crashing into you You're waking up my hope You are my from where I've been into something new. I'm giving up control. I need a breakthrough. All of my dreams and fears crashing into you. You're waking up my hope. You are my breakthrough. Take me from where I've been into something Crashing into you. You're waking up my hope. You are my breakthrough. Come, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Come, breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your presence is here, Lord. We want what you want. You have our yes, God. We will honor you. We will follow you. We will be your people. Break through to us, God. Have your way in our lives, God. We're no longer disciples, Lord. We're missionaries. Help us to be on mission. Help us, God, every day to wake up and walk out of our hut and say, what can I do for you today, God? You bless me, Lord. Make me a blessing. Pour my life out for others. Thank you for this church. Thank you, God, that we can be on mission. We're called to change lives. Help us, Lord. Walk with us. Guide us and show us your will. We will obey you. We give you our yes. We don't even know how. We don't have to know how. We just need to follow you. Show us, Lord, what you want from us. Thank you for this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Can we just give God a hand right now? Isn't God good? Wow, thank you so much.